Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, An MIA Born on the Fourth of July, and I'm your host, Rick Stone. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. If you're hearing this preview of No Home for Heroes on YouTube or Audio Burst, we invite you to listen to the complete podcast on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer, and available for streaming now on iHeartRadio. Today's story is a special 4th of July Independence Day remembrance of the only casualty from the Battle of Tarawa during World War II that was actually born on the 4th of July. 1,090 American servicemen were lost during that historic battle, but only one had a bona fide Independence Day birthday. And after over 75 years, he's still listed as missing in action. Stay tuned, and we will provide you with the details on where we think our missing hero lies today. All of us here at the Foundation want to dedicate this special episode to our loyal listeners on board the USS Normandy, guided missile cruiser CG-60, flying the flag off the Atlantic coast on the Independence Day, July 4th. Keep up the great work protecting our freedom, Normandy, and hey, Save me a plate in the wardroom for Taco Tuesday. And now, on with our show. Today's episode is from case number 0249 in the investigative case files of the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. The MIA featured in our story today is one of the lost phantoms of Tarawa that we featured in episode 15. But today, we get a chance to focus in on a special one of our phantoms, in our special Independence Day episode, because Private Paul Franklin Huffman is the only one of 1,090 Tarawa casualties who was actually born on the 4th of July, and he remains missing in action after over 75 years. Stay tuned while we offer our analysis of where Private Huffman can be found on today's No Home for Heroes. Paul Huffman was born in Dawes, West Virginia. At the time of the 1920 census, Paul was living with his parents, Dennis H. and Maude Huffman, two older brothers and two older sisters in Kanawha, West Virginia. I sure hope I'm saying that right. Kanawha? If I'm not, drop me a line as always and correct me. His father worked in the oil drilling industry as a carpenter, building derricks and oil rigs. And sadly, there's an indication in the records that perhaps Paul's mother died when he was just four years old. Paul enlisted in the United States Marine Corps in Charleston, West Virginia, on 22 January 1942, and was assigned the rank of private. At the time of his enlistment, Private Huffman listed his residence as Charleston, West Virginia. Private Huffman listed his father, Mr. D.H. Huffman of Charleston, West Virginia, as his next of kin. If you live in Charleston, West Virginia, you can't see Private Huffman's residence on Clendenin Street, but you sure know where it is. The Charleston Civic Center now sits on the exact spot 
where Private Huffman and his family lived in 1942. I wonder if the city of Charleston has a plaque up inside the Civic Center noting that an American hero once lived at that location. If they don't, they sure should. Private Huffman was 69 inches tall. That's 5 feet 9 inches. He was 24 years of age when he lost his life. He had brown hair, and he weighed about 166 pounds. His blood type was A, and he wore a size 7.5 double E shoe. He listed his religious preference as being a Methodist, and the letter P for Protestant may have been imprinted on his United States Marine Corps identification tags or his dog tags. Private Huffman had no birthmarks, tattoos, or major scars noted in his medical records. And his photograph depicts kind of a stocky, heavy-set appearance. At five foot nine and 166 pounds, that would be appropriate. His cap size was seven and eight. He had blue eyes, and he was unmarried. His last recorded dental examination was on 24 January 1942, shortly after his enlistment. And his chart noted that he had no fillings, no extraction, and one wisdom tooth was present. Ironically. As often happens in our cases, this near-perfect dental profile really only serves to complicate identification efforts. The Joint POW-MIA Accounting Command noted in, in 2012 that a family reference sample, or a DNA sample, was not in their files. But, thanks to the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation providing a comprehensive report to the family of Private Huffman, a DNA sample has now been provided to the Department of Defense. Private Huffman completed his Marine Corps basic training with the 9th Recruit Battalion at the Recruit Depot in Paris Island, South Carolina. After basic training, Private Huffman was assigned to the Marine Barracks at the Navy Yard in New York City. On 1 April 1942, Private Huffman was briefly assigned to the Marine Guard Detachment at Fort Lafayette, New York. He was sick at the base hospital in Fort Hamilton, New York, from 4 April through 21 April 1942, with an unrecorded illness or injury. And he was promoted to Private First Class, PFC, on 25 April 1942. Private Huffman, or Private First Class Huffman, I should say, was transferred to the 2nd Replacement Battalion in San Diego, California, on 8 September 1942. And he was again sick in the U.S. Navy Base Hospital in San Diego from 5 October through the entire month of October in 1942, again with an unknown illness or injury. During his stay in the hospital, PFC Huffman was reassigned to the casual company at Camp Elliott, San Diego, and then on to the 6th Replacement Battalion on 10 November 1942. On 10 February 1943, Private First Class Huffman was transferred to D Company, Dog Company, sometimes referred to as Delta Company, 1st Battalion, 8th Marines. By April 1943, PFC Huffman was transferred to Wellington, New Zealand, where he joined his unit who were recuperating from the Battle of Guadalcanal, and they were then in New Zealand engaged in a period of training and refit in preparation for the invasion of Tarawa. On 30 June, PFC Huffman received his annual, well, semi-annual professional and conduct report, which scored by his commanding officer on a 0-5 to five scale for the five traits of 
Military Efficiency, which he scored a 4.4. Neatness and Military Bearing, 4.4. Intelligence, 4.5. Obedience, a perfect score of 5. And Sobriety, a perfect score of 5. However, on 22 October 1943, just a month before the invasion of Tarawa, PFC Huffman's commanding officer reduced him in rank to private for, quote, misconduct. Our research indicates that it was specifically for a disobedience of a lawful order of an NCO, which means non-commissioned officer, normally a sergeant. Private Huffman's unit, D Company, 1st Battalion, 8th Marines, was designated to land on Red Beach 2 during the invasion of Tarawa. His battalion was transported from their training bases in New Zealand to Tarawa on board the USS Sheraton. Private Huffman's company was loaded into landing craft from the USF Sheraton early on the morning of the first day of the battle, 20 November 1943. Through a series of incredible miscommunication failures, the entire battalion was forced to spend all day and all night floating outside the reef at Tarawa without being ordered to land. Can you imagine how weary, hungry, thirsty, and just plain seasick these Marines must have been after almost 24 hours of floating around in a small boat amid choppy seas and constant fumes from diesel engines and their own vomit? Shortly after sunrise on the second day, 21 November 1943, Private Huffman's unit was finally given orders to land on Red Beach 2 behind A Company and B Company and C Company, 1st Battalion, 8th Marines. In waves of landing craft vehicle personnel, sometimes known as LCVP, each company struck the reef hundreds of yards from the beach. Alpha and Bravo companies were heavily mauled by Japanese defenders with a hail of fire from artillery and machine guns. While Charlie Company was attempting to land under the same vicious fire, Marine commanders called in naval gunfire from offshore ships and air attacks in an attempt to suppress the Japanese resistance. By the time Private Huffman's unit began to land on the far western end of Red Beach 2, near its boundary with Red Beach 1, the naval shelling and bombing began to take their toll, finally, on the Japanese defenders. The front ramp of each landing craft was lowered to allow the Marines to wade the remaining distance to the beach. While the boat ramp was lowered, the Marines stepped off into warm water that was between waist and shoulder deep. Soon, many began collapsing as a result of being hit by heavy machine gun fire. Others stepped off into deep shell holes beneath the water and were drowned by the weight of the heavy equipment they were carrying. As the survivors struggled to wade almost 500 yards onto shore, that's over a quarter of a mile, they were raked by a vicious crossfire from the partially sunken hulk of a Japanese freighter on their flank, the Seidu Maru, upon which the Japanese had stationed numerous machine gun positions. Upon landing, Private Huffman's unit attempted to attack westward and inland, but despite heavy fighting all day, they made very little progress against the Japanese fortified emplacements. It was some time during this fighting that Private Huffman became a casualty. Private Huffman's unit dug in at nightfall, expecting a Japanese counterattack that never materialized. 
Two out of the eight officers in D Company were wounded. Private Huffman is not listed in the chaplain's logbook. His United States Marine Corps casualty card originally listed him as missing in action on 21 November 1943. On 15 December, his status was changed to wounded in action as of 21 November. His casualty card lists his injuries as gunshot wound and does not note any memorial grave location. The absence of a memorial grave location on Tarawa is extremely unusual among the Tarawa dead. Neither the Graves Registration Unit Burial Report of January 1944 nor the Island Commander's Report of June 1944 list a burial location for Private Huffman or cite him in another category, such as missing or burial location unknown. Private Huffman's individual deceased personnel file has the following notation read to us today by our guest commentator, Jacob House. Originally reported wounded and evacuated. However, after thorough searches of all medical establishments to which he might have been transferred failed to locate him, his status was changed to killed in action. Presumed dead by the Secretary of the Navy finding on 22 November 1944. The January 1944 muster roll of the Headquarters Company Casual Battalion lists Private Huffman as sick in the United States Naval Hospital. (laughs) And here's our mystery within a mystery. How can Private Huffman be in a U.S. Navy hospital in January if he was killed on Tarawa in November? Private Huffman was officially declared killed in action on 22 November 1944 in keeping with the then current federal law allowing a one-year period of MIA status before a presumptive declaration of death was determined. Private Huffman is one of over 20 unresolved casualties from the Battle of Tarawa who have notations in their records that they were wounded and transferred to a vessel or an unknown location for treatment or were later listed, like Private Huffman, as being in a hospital at a date after the battle. The actual fate of these Phantoms of Tarawa is unknown. So, where is Private Huffman, our 4th of July-born Marine from West Virginia? Where is he? Where is he today? The preponderance of the evidence indicates that Private Huffman was either wounded before reaching shore and was picked up by a small boat, to be returned to one of the offshore ships for medical treatment, or he was wounded after reaching land. If that was the case, there really are only six logical possibilities for the final disposition of Private Huffman. One, Private Huffman died while attempting to land and his body was washed ashore and buried in an unmarked and unrecorded location on Tarawa as an unknown. Two, Private Huffman was wounded before reaching shore and his evacuation boat was struck by enemy fire, and he was killed with his body obliterated by combat trauma. There really are a lot of anecdotal descriptions in the historical record by Tarawa survivors of observing such scenes. Or three, his evacuation boat was struck by enemy fire, and he was killed with his body washed back up on the beach, where he was ultimately buried on Tarawa as an unknown. The fourth possibility is that he was successfully evacuated to an offshore trip for, ship for medical treatment, died while on board, 
and was given a burial at sea which was not recorded in the ship's log or other military records. The fifth possibility is that he was successfully evacuated to an offshore ship for medical treatment, arrived at a U.S. Navy hospital in Honolulu, Hawaii, where all the Tarawa wounded were transferred, and there in the hospital, he subsequently died and was buried in an unknown location in Hawaii. And the final possibility is that he was successfully evacuated to an offshore ship for medical treatment, arrived at the hospital in Honolulu, and somehow he subsequently recovered sufficiently to simply walk away and disappear from history forever. Well, in the final analysis, the theories that Private Huffman died en route to Hawaii and was given an unrecorded burial at sea, or that he died in a hospital in Hawaii and simply walked away from the hospital and was never heard from again, are frankly not very likely. It is more likely that Private Huffman made it to shore and was wounded. He then died either prior to or in the attempt to evacuate him to an offshore ship for treatment. Our Foundation investigators believe that Private Huffman was buried as an unknown that was recovered from Tarawa in 1946 and then reburied in the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific or the Punchbowl Cemetery in Honolulu, Hawaii. And to narrow the search even further, our Foundation's use of our customized Random Incident Statistical Correlation System, or RISC, points to the fact that Private Huffman can be one of only two unknowns that were disinterred from the Punchbowl Cemetery in 2016. However, at this time, over three years later, the Department of Defense, Defense POW Accounting Agency Laboratory, can't seem to identify Private Huffman. Based on their history of dysfunction, why are we not surprised? If someone in higher authority at the Department of Defense hears this podcast, please give us a call, and we'll be happy to tell you exactly which two unknowns are a biometric and historical match to Private Paul Franklin Huffman, our 4th of July MIA hero for today. Perhaps only then will Private Huffman find his way back home to Charleston, West Virginia, and perhaps the city of Charleston will allow his remains to lie in state in the Civic Center built over the site of his homestead, a Civic Center that should bear his name in honor of a true hometown American hero. If only the city officials knew, hey, here's an idea. When you call, the Charleston City Hall, tell current Mayor Amy Goodwin that we referred you. Her number is 304-348-8000. Well, I don't know how long Mayor Goodwin will be in office, but whoever you talk to, remind him that their civic center is built over the homestead of a true American hero. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Home for Heroes. We hope you've enjoyed today's production, and we invite you to check out our other episodes. You can now subscribe to listen free on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you like to listen to podcasts, and now even on iHeartRadio. Don't forget to tune in every Saturday 
when we'll post a new episode of History's Military Mysteries Missing in Action. Episodes of No Home for Heroes are produced from the actual investigative case files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation, dedicated to providing information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American servicewomen. As always, we greatly appreciate your comments, and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. You sure don't want to miss our next episode with another true story about one of our missing American heroes. Tune in to hear it for yourself next week on No Home for Heroes. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas. I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that poor is the nation that has no hero, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them. <laughs>